Pastor Evan's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Father, I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to minister to your people. And I thank you that the word today will go beyond their minds and it will sink down in their hearts and that the seed of that word will grow. So, Father, they will know that they know that they know that they're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves them. And so we thank you. Because the word is being preached, Jesus always confirms the word with signs following. So we thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as a result of the word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, last week I shared a message with our singles that I really wanted to share with our married couples, but the Lord really impressed upon me that what I share with the married people is what he wanted them to hear. So I figured you could just go to the YouTube channel if you're married and go watch the singles message because the focus of the message was on overcoming depression. Now, today's message is a compliment to that message that I did on last week. And so if you are a note taker and you're taking notes, our teaching topic today is overcoming stress. Overcoming stress. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, and then we're going to go over to John chapter 14, verses 27. I'll say those two again. That is Philippians chapter 4, verses 6. And then John chapter 14, verses 27. Now, let me just start the lesson off by just asking a question that I believe I know the answer to. And and so by the showing of hands, how many of you here have ever been stressed out before? Let me see your hand. Okay, very, very good. If your hand is not up, it's because you are too stressed out to remember. (laughs) All of us at one point of time have allowed ourselves to be stressed and you'll understand why I'm why I'm saying allowed as I continue but I'm about to say something that may seem impossible but yet it's not only true but it should be the norm for us and here it is although stress is normal in our world it should be abnormal in a believer's world I'm gonna say that again because I don't I want you to get it although stress is normal In our world today, it should be abnormal in the life of a believer. Jesus said, we are in this world, but we're not of this world. So although stress is normal to our world, it should be abnormal in a believer's world. And this is why most of us are stressed out because we have accepted stress as a norm. 
So in our lesson today, uh, we're going to discover three things. Number one, how stress comes. Because how you think stress comes is not really how stress comes. Number two, we're going to look at what causes stress. And then number three, we're going to provide a solution to overcoming stress. So if you're taking notes, I'm jumping right in. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the first point, but I do need to just establish the fact that the point is what it is, and that is stress is a choice. Just look at your neighbor and say, stress is a choice. Now look at your other neighbor and say, I didn't know that. Stress is a choice. We're going to go right to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6. They're going to put it on the screen. And, and I really just want to read the first part of the verse. I'll keep reading uh, some of it. But the first four words in that verse, in the King James Version, says, Be careful for nothing. Now, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. In the New Living Translation, it says, don't worry about what? Anything. Don't worry about anything. And it continues to say, instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, we just read that God said in his word for us to not worry about anything. So if he told us to not worry about anything... That means that you and I have the capacity and the ability to not be able to worry. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, in John 14, 27, I'm going to establish this fact again because this is going to be very foreign to a lot of us because some of us, we constantly live under stress, so it seems like a norm. This is why people have migraine headaches. I'm talking to somebody right now. You are having migraine headaches. It's not because it runs in your family. It's because stress runs in your family. And until you learn how to manage stress, then you'll continue to have the, the, uh, the migraine headaches. It says in uh, John 14, 27, this was Jesus talking. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Read this part with me. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Right there, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. That tells me that it's up to me to let my heart be troubled. Now watch the amplified version of John 14, 27. It's very, very plain. I love it. It says, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Watch this. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Watch what he says. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Let's just stop right there. Because some of you are going to have to change even what you are saying so stress can't come because you'll see later the door that opens or confirms stress are your words. And so you're going to have to stop saying, Sheila is getting on my nerve. Come on, how many have ever said somebody's getting on your last nerve, right? He said, stop allowing yourselves to be agitated. That means that when I feel agitated because somebody said something or did something, it's not really them that's agitating the, me. It's me allowing them to agitate me. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed. 
Do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly unsettled. Wow. So it sounds like to me that you and I have a choice to let ourselves be worried or stressed. And, and if you look up in the dictionary, the word stress, it means to worry. So stress is a choice. Everybody say stress is a choice. So now let's go to, to, to point number two because I only have three points. Point number two is this. Our thoughts control our stress. Our thoughts control our stress. Our circumstances don't control our, our stress. People's attitudes and driving habits don't control our stress. I know you think that road rage driver is producing stress. It's not. I'm going to show you today that our thoughts is what control our stress. Amen. It's not our job stressing us. It's our thoughts about our job stressing us. It's not our kids stressing us. It's our thoughts about our kids that are stressing us. Amen. It's not school stressing you out. It's your thoughts about school that's stressing you out. Or maybe you're not studying too. That'll stress you out too. God has designed us to be in total control of our thought life. So I'm going to give you now two ways on how you and I, how the thoughts work. Because thoughts are powerful and they, they, they affect us because they reside in the spirit realm. Just like my words, you don't see them because words are spirit. Well, thoughts are spirit too, but let me show you how thoughts work. Here's the first way that thoughts work. Thoughts are received by us taking them by saying. I'll show you this in just a second. In other words, this is how thoughts work. Thoughts are received. In other words, we receive thoughts by taking them by saying something. Here's the second. Or by us receiving them by sitting. And I'm just to show you what I mean. So let's pretend that there is a uh, conveyor belt here, all right, and it's constantly moving, and it has thoughts on the conveyor belt. The first way you and I take a thought is when we decide to take it off of the conveyor belt. Now watch this now in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. We take it off the conveyor belt, and this is what happens. When we take it off, we take it off by saying something. So they're laying off on your job. It's stressing you. How do we know it's stressing you? Because you take the thought off the conveyor belt and you say, this is stressing me out. Watch what Matthew 6.31 says. Therefore, take how many thoughts, class? Come on, class. Come on, class. How many thoughts? Jesus said, take no thought. And then what's the next word? He said, listen, take no thought saying. So you and I, we take thoughts when we open up our mouths. And so that's why it's easy to know what somebody's thinking by what they're saying. So if you're dating somebody... And they're always critical of what they see. You need to lose some weight. And that's all you hear. That's what he or she thinks about you. You may want to think about 
dropping them like it's hot. Because if they are critical to you now, it only multiplies when you get married. Amen. Take therefore no thought, watch this, say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where, how, how shall we be clothed? So the first way thoughts come is if we say something. But then here's the second way. It's when these thoughts come, because remember now, thoughts come from God, but thoughts also come from the enemy. Thoughts can come from our heart as well. So when the enemy sends a thought to us, it is up to us at that point to allow that thought to sit. Now, if we let it sit, thoughts are seeds. So if you let a thought sit too long, guess what it's going to do? It's going to take some root. And so once it takes root in your heart, you know what's going to come out of your mouth? Whatever that thought was. And that's why Jesus said, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when a thought comes or the enemy sends a thought to your mind, And you let that thought sit instead of dealing with it. And I'll show you how to deal with it in just a moment. If you let it sit, then that's how thoughts begin to stress us out. Amen. So now let me show you a good example of how thoughts can change or influence your emotions and your feelings. Because some of us wake up in bad moods. Because we've allowed thoughts to enter our mindset before we even get up. As soon as you wake up in this morning, wake up in the morning, I got to deal with this fool at work. (laughs) Stress. How many got a fool at work? Let me see your hand. How many got a fool? Every work has a fool. If your hand's not up, maybe you the fool. I'm just playing. Daniel chapter 4. Watch this now. Daniel chapter 4. Now this is, and I'm, I'm using both examples out of the book of Daniel. I'm doing that because it makes it easier for you to find if you have a Bible. But Daniel chapter 4, verse 18. Listen to now what happens. It says, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. O you, O Belshazzar. Now he was talking to Daniel. And he says, declare the interpretation of this dream for me, Daniel, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom have not been able to, to make it known unto me the interpretation. But you are able, Daniel, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts did what, class? What did they do? They troubled him. In other words, they stressed him. And your thoughts stress you. It's not the situation that's stressing you. It's the thoughts about the situation that stresses you. And this is why, and I'll show you just in a second, how you have to manage your thought life because that's what's stressing you out. Many of us, the enemy has made us believe it's our circumstances that are stressing us. But it's really not our circumstances. It's what we think about the circumstance. This is why two people can go through the same thing and one person seems like they are walking in peace and the other one is stressed out. Amen. Here's the second example. 
This is in Daniel chapter 5. It says, Belshazzar, or Daniel, the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank some wine before the thousand. Now, let me just give you some context. The king was having a party. How many like the party? Let me see your hand. Like the party? That's all? Okay. Well, this king liked the party. So let's see. I skipped some things. So in verse 4 now, I'm jumping down to verse 4. Let's see what they was doing at this, this party. They were drinking some what? Wine. How many like wine? Let me see your hand. Okay. All right. Okay. Why y'all laughing? They drank wine. They praised the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. And in the same hour came forth the fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. In other words, a finger came across. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote whatever he wrote on the wall. Verse 6. Let me show you what happened. Now, let me just, before we keep reading, what were they doing? They were partying. All right? Look at verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed. And his thoughts did what? They troubled him to the point that the joints of his loins were loose and his knees smote together. Basically, he started looking like this. As you can see, the king's thought changed his mood from partying to worrying. Do you see that? Listen, everybody say back in the day. See, thoughts are so powerful, they can alter your feelings and your emotions, and that's why you have to learn how to manage your own thoughts. Back in the day, this is before I met Pastor Solomon. In fact, I was a sophomore in college, and I had this girlfriend, and, uh, you know, we had been working things out. Maybe I can say that differently. Uh, we had been busy. Figure that out. And uh, she told me, she says, uh, Mother Nature didn't come this week. And, you know, back in the day, I was a serious weed smoker. I would smoke before class, in between class, and at the end of class. I don't know how I passed accounting. I really don't. I guess it helped me focus. I don't know. But I'll never forget one day. I mean, I'm getting high. We are high. We are partying just like the king. I mean, I'm doing it. I am, I am like Rick James. I'm in love with Mary Jane. She's my main thing. She makes me feel all right. She makes my heart sing. And when I'm feeling low, she comes at no surprise. (laughs) Somebody know what I'm talking about. I'll never forget one day I was high as a kite. Ha, 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 ha. And I thought about that girl being pregnant. I became sober just like that. 
I was just like that king. I came back down. Thoughts control your emotions. This is why we must know the word and we must renew our minds by knowing the word. Romans 12, 2, we all know what it says. It says, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed or changed by the renewing. And I want you to notice the word renewing doesn't say renewed. It says renewing, which means that you can never stop renewing your mind because it is a continual process. Once you stop renewing your mind, your mind is like a rubber band. It is automatically designed to go back to where it was. So he says we are transformed by the renewing of your mind, our minds, and then once our minds are in the state of renewal, We're able to prove what is good, what's acceptable, and what the perfect will of God is. When we get the word in us, it has the ability, listen to this now, it has the ability to separate God's thoughts from the enemy's thoughts. When we renew our mind, it also allows us to separate fleshly thoughts from divine ones. I hear people all the time, they, I don't know what God's will is. Renew your mind to the word and you'll figure it out. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, I'm reading this out of the King James Version. It says, for the word of God is quick. And what else is it? It's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the word has the ability to... Uh, divide apart from soul and spirit. And this is why when you know the word, you can know if what has been said to you came from the soul or your spirit. Because your soul and your spirit are so close to each other, the only thing, everybody say the only thing, the only thing that can divide your soul from your spirit is the word of God. And you say, why is that important? Because when you are in a difficult situation, you need to know, watch this now, what God's will is versus what your soul wants to do. It says it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between soul and spirit, between the joints and the marrow. And the word is a discerner of the thoughts and even the intents of our hearts. The New Living Translation says it like this. For the word of God is alive. And what else? Listen, 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 listen. A red bull is not what you need. She's saying right because I drink them. No, a red, see, some of you all, your spirit is tired. See, what's on the inside affects what's on the outside. And so some of you, you're tired. And so you go, oh, I just need another. I need some more sleep. No, no, no. You need to put some word in you. Because, see, it says the word is quick or powerful. That means alive. The word is alive. If you put that life inside of you, guess what? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of you. You put that word in there, it's just like putting that, that 93 gas gasoline inside of a car. Quick and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. 
watch this, cutting between soul and spirit, between joy and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when you and I are in stressful moments, this is where many of us lose the battle. Because it's our thoughts that determine our direction. Everybody say, my thoughts determine my direction. And, and here's why. Because they control how we feel. And then most of us go by what we feel. We, we do what we feel. And so uh, I want to give you an example of how this uh, has happened to me. So all, all this week I've been thinking about uh, where I was emotionally this time last year. Now, this time last year, almost to today, uh, is when we had the issue with uh, the building, the paperwork, and the money. And uh, I was stressed. I may not have looked stressed, but I was stressed. This building had me in a headlock. And uh, there was one moment when God was really trying to help me manage my thoughts and perspective about what was going on. So one day out of the blue, he asked me a question. He said, Evan, are you worried about Lisa Fuller's, Pastor Lisa Fuller's car breaking down? And it was such a weird, like, question and thought. I was like, excuse me? He says, are you worried about Pastor Lisa's car breaking down? And I was like, no. He said, why? I said, because it's not my car. Then he asked me another question. He says, are, are you worried about her car, if it breaks down, her being able to fix it? Now, you have to understand, she's never had car issues, and I ain't, she never asked me to fix a car. He just was asking me this because he knows I care about her. He says, are you worried about if her car breaks, her being able to fix it? Such a weird question to me. I said, well, no. I said, I mean, if she needs some help in me in fixing it, I can help her get it fixed. But no, I'm not worried about that. He says, why? I said, because it's not my car. He says, so then why are you worried about this building? Because it's not your building, it's my building. See, I had taken on someone else's responsibility. And that's what stress does. When, if you, stress, what it does is most of the time it's because we are trying to control something we're not supposed to be controlling. I mean, if we really believe that God is in control, why are you up at night trying to figure out how it's going to work itself out? Amen. You see, it is our perspective about what is happening that determines our stress level. So I'm going to give you another example because uh, I, I, I want you to leave here realizing that when you start feeling stress, it is up to you to let it in. So last week, heaven comes to me. Heaven's my oldest, my daughter. She says, Dad. Can you take me shopping next week and we can hang out? I was like, sure. I said, just give me a day ahead because I live a scheduled life so I can make sure things are scheduled, right? And uh, she said, fine. And uh, I said, cool. And 
So let me tell you what heaven didn't do. Heaven did not call me the day before we were doing it and say, uh, Dad, do you have the money to take me shopping? She didn't ask me that question. She didn't ask me, Dad, are all the bills paid? Are you going to be able to, to, to pay for what I want? She didn't ask me that. She didn't say, Dad, is the money in the budget for you to be able to take me shopping? She didn't say, Dad, what about my, my school uh, fees for next month? Uh, are you going to have the money to do that? Uh, how many know heaven didn't ask me none of that? Listen, heaven even went to the restroom when all, we went in this one store where she spent the most money, right? She went to the restroom while we was checking out. She never saw the total. She had so much confidence that I was able to do what I said to the point that she says, I ain't got to sit here and figure this out. I'm going to, to the restroom and take care of myself. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 11, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? In other words... Stress only comes when we don't believe that our Heavenly Father is in control over what's going on in our lives. You know why you stress over those bills? Because you done made them yours. You say, well, Pastor, I made them. Well, you might have made them. But the scripture says to cast all of our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. I mean, I, I, I thought about it. Heaven, listen, when we got through, I just left the receipt in the bag just in case she needs to take something back. But I was hoping that she looked at the total. Right? But here's what's wonderful. If we have enough love for our children, how much more does God, and that's the problem. I don't think we all believe that God really loves us. How many of you would take care of every need of your child if you had all the money to do it without problems? How many would do that? Okay, so why wouldn't God do that when we are his children? When it comes to God dealing with things that we're going through, we must know that God will even though we don't know when God will. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to God dealing with things that we're going through, we must know that God will, even though we don't know when God will. This is why knowing his thoughts towards us and the situations we are in is so important. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, Thoughts of what, class? Thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. I love the amplified version of Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. 
thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. My question to you is, if listen, if you trust God with your life, and if the plans that he has for you are good, even if I, I don't have to know his plan to know that the plan is good. I'm going to say that again. I don't have to know the plan to know that the plan is good. So why are you stressed about how old you are and you're not married? If his plans for me are good, he knows what's good for me. He knows what I like. So why am I sitting around counting the calendar? It's been 10 years now since my divorce. Lord, what you going to do? So what do we do in stressful situations? That brings me to my third and final point, and that is peace is a gift that deals with stress. Peace is a gift. Now let's go back to John chapter 14, verse 27, because I want to point something out. I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation. He says here, this is Jesus, I am leaving you with the what, class? Come on, class. I am leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled or afraid. Everybody say peace is a gift. It is up to me now on whether I use the gift or not. When someone gives you a gift, it is up to you to utilize the gift. And Jesus has given each one of us a gift, and it's called peace. Philippians 4 Verses 6 and 7. I'm going to now read the whole thing. He says, be careful for nothing. Be worried about nothing. But in everything, in every situation, by what? Prayer and supplication uh, uh, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The word supplication means specific request. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto who? Not to Facebook. Verse 7, and the peace of God, the what? Come on, class. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me read the New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, then when? Then when you don't worry, then when you pray about everything, then when you tell God about what you need, then when you thank him, then you will experience God's what? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So how do you and I experience the peace of God that he's promised us? Here's number one. We must keep our thoughts on God and his word. And you say, well, Pastor, I can't be thinking about God all day. You think about Junior all day. How, how many, how many uh, have been working for a long time and you finally scheduled vacation and uh, you got like uh, 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 you and your last week before your vacation's coming up and you've already planned your vacation, you already know where you're going and everything, and boy, you can't wait. I mean, every day you're telling everybody, girl, I can't wait to be on vacation. Man, I can't wait to be on vacation. And I'm going here, I'm doing this, I'm going here. What are you doing? You are anticipating being on vacation. Why? Because your mind is on vacation. 
we must keep our thoughts on God and his word. The New King James Version of Isaiah 26.3 says this, God, that's the word you, God will keep him, you, in perfect peace. Watch this. Whose mind is what? Stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. Now, the peace of God doesn't come just because our thoughts are toward him. Because that verse has two pieces to it. He didn't just say that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. No, that's part of it. The second part he says now, he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on, on him because he trusts in him. So here's number two. The peace of God will come when we also trust God. Everybody say trust God. So how do we keep our minds on him and trust him at the same time? Here's the, here's the key right here. And next week, you don't want to miss next week. I'm going to show you how to biblically meditate next week. Meditation does two things. I'll show you. Meditation, will, uh, uh, when you do it right, will relieve you of stress. But meditation will also push you in the realm of success. I'll show you that next week. So watch, what, watch this. Dude. In John 16, uh, 33, we must see ahead of time. This is how now we, we uh, apply what I'm teaching you today. We must see ahead of time what God has, our, that he's already fixed the problem. We got to see ahead of time he's already fixed the problem. John 16, 33 says this. These things I've spoken unto you that you might have what? Peace. Watch this now. He's saying, look, I'm telling you this so you can have peace. He says, in this world, you're going to have some problems. But then he said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So when you and I experience problems, the way to stay stress-free is to know the problem's already fixed. He said, be of good cheer. I've already done it. Listen, I know you're in a financial situation. Trust me, it's already fixed. I've already dealt with that situation at work. Stay in peace. Why? I've already overcome it. In other words, I'm saying to you, the way to stay stress-free, you got to see the problem already being fixed. You have to see yourself as more than a conqueror. You have to see yourself as the head and not the tail. You have to see that by his stripes you are already healed. So I'm going to close with the story. I'm going to keep saying it till I die. So this year, this time last year, we're going through the building process. I am stressed out. Then the window lady says to Reginald, Reginald? Tell that pastor that if he doesn't pay my $189,000 by Friday, which by the way, this was Thursday. If he don't have my $189,000 by Friday, I'm going to sue him and then I'm going to put a lien on the church. When Reggie told me that, I said, what? I said, Reggie, see if she'll meet with me. So he did, and so she met with me, and God gave me wisdom on what to tell the lady. Y'all know about that part, but I'm just going to say this one piece. Because, see, sometimes you just have to operate in faith. I didn't have an answer for that lady when I said set up the meeting. I, I didn't have an answer for that lady driving on my way there. But when I got ready to get out of the car, the Lord gave me a strategy. Because remember, if you're part of my faith seminar, there are five expectations when you're walking by faith. And I'm not going to tell you the five because it's going to take the time off my clock. 
But one of them is God will give you wisdom. And so God gave me some wisdom when I got out of the car. I told the lady, I said, listen, hey, uh, I said thousands of, because she said, finally, you know, because I tried to explain the situation. Then she just said, what do you want to do, preacher? I said, I'll tell you what. I said, thousands of investors have trusted me for 25 years to pay them back $7.5 million. I need you to trust me for six days to pay you back your $189,000. Then I stuck my hand out there so she could shake it. It stayed out there for a little while. But I was like, if I got to do the robot, I'm going to keep that thing out there. She shook my hand. And I looked at her and I said, if you don't have your money in six days, do whatever you got to do to get it. I walked out. I got in the car. I said, Lord, where are we going to get this money from? <laughs> that was Friday. Saturday go by. Sunday go by. No money. When, uh, Monday goes by. No money. Tuesday go by. No money. I woke up that morning and I got a vision of a harvest. I'm like, look, we're the true family church. We're a giving church. So I started just declaring a harvest. To come in. I said, Father, you said give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and run over, shall men give it to our bosom. Father, word of truth, family, church, that's given to me. And, and so, Lord, I need that harvest to come through. And so I went through all that, the, about 35 minutes or whatever. That's Tuesday. Wednesday rolled around. I am on my way, literally, to the construction meeting to meet with Reggie. I know what Reggie's going to ask me. Pastor, do you have the money? So I'm riding down Collins right here, trying to figure out what I'm going to tell Reggie. And right when I get to where Eisenhower School is, right up in there, my phone rings. And it's someone who says, Pastor Redmond, Pastor Robert loves you, Gateway loves you, we want to send you a check, wire you $200,000 because we know you all are in a building project, right? I said, how much? He said $200,000. And uh, I don't know what I did after that. I went blank. (laughs) But here's my point. Had I known ahead of time that that need was going to be met, even at the last minute, I wouldn't have let it stress me out. And I'm saying... The way you resolve stress is see the answer ahead of time. You say, well, Pastor, how do I do that? See it in the Word. He said he will supply how much of your need? All of it. So, listen, I don't have to see him do it yet. I just got to know he's going to do it. And there are some people with every head bowed. There are some stressed out people in the room. You're stressed. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want you by faith today to submit the stress to the Lord. And from today forward, realize that the entryway to this stress are the thoughts that you allow yourselves to hear. Father, I've done my part. And so I thank you for doing yours, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Whatever here is still bowed. There's some people here. Here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven?